All right, Lord, we just thank you for who you are and what you've done, the, the family you've gathered around. And Lord, as this, this message has been on my heart for many, many months, I just ask that you bring forth good fruit and that your seed finds good soil and that you hold my tongue if anything comes out of my mouth that is not of you, Lord. I give you honor and glory today, in Jesus' name, amen. So last week, my grandmother died. And so it got me thinking, you know, about, obviously about death and reliving just the memories of her and, and, and the good memories, the bad memories, the funny ones. And it and it go and it just came to me it's like okay if my parents ask me to speak at her funeral what would i say you know or if anybody asked me at a funeral you know to speak what would i say and up until the last days my grandmother would have said yes she was a christian but the truth in the matter was probably not because she believed that because she was a good person and that she had a head knowledge of God, she was saved. Like, I'm a good person. That's what she would say. And so I asked the Lord, I was with one other grandparent, and I said, Lord, I just want one chance. One chance to present the gospel to my grandparents before they go. All of them. And so I had that opportunity. I went to visit her right a couple weeks before she died, and I got to present the gospel. And I said, Grandma, it doesn't matter how good a person you were. There's only one way into heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ and accepting him as your Lord and Savior. And I said, do you accept him? And she shook her head. So I have to believe, nodded her head. She nodded her head. <laughs> nodded her head and said, you know, and didn't say, but nodded her head in acceptance. So I have to believe that she's with him now. But he provided me that one opportunity, that one chance. He answered that prayer. And then on the way home from that hospital trip, I actually got to present the gospel to my grandfather, who has just had a hard life, was in the Korean War, and... And he just says, I'm not a religious person. I said, well, that's cool. I'm not either. And I just presented the gospel to him. And I said, Grandpa, you know, I don't want you to go to hell. I, I want to be able to see you, you know, when, when time comes to an end. And he just sat and listened. He didn't accept anything, but I was able to present the gospel. That's on him and his choice. But so that got me thinking, and I've been thinking on it in a long time, is... When I am at her funeral and they ask me to say something, the fact of the matter is we, you, when you're at a funeral, you are gathered in, memor in memory of that person, right? And so people come up and say, oh, I remember this good time or this funny story or that funny story or how she always made me eat green beans and I hated green beans, like those stories. But... Did her impact, will her impact in your life 
last? That's the question. Will I, now that she is dead, will I live like her life had an impact on mine? And then that question was then posed to me by the Lord. He says, do you, you accepted Christ as your Savior. He died for you. Not just died, he died for you. Do you live like his life affected you? Do you look different from his death? And I went, well, gee, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. So this is, where, this is where we're starting. And I apologize, but we are going to be kind of all over the Bible. So the first one is going to be Ephesians 2. one through three. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. You were dead in your transgresses and sins. First Timothy five six. But she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So those three sections are telling you right now, before Christ you were dead. You are dead. Period. Amen. You are slated for death even though you are alive. You are dead. Your sins are what cause you to die. The law brought, was brought forth to condemn you. It condemns you. Jesus Christ came to bring life. So just like my grandmother, who is now dead, before Christ, I am no different than her. I just have the chance to be alive again. So this is what I want us to get to, is that we are, we are saved. We are brought to life. The wages of sin are death. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. So everybody was dead. Without Christ, everyone is dead. We were 
we are slightly better off than my grandmother because she has no choice in the matter. She is where she is because of the life she led and the choices that she made on this earth. But here we were dead. And so there is no hope. If you think about it, we're living in a world full of zombies. <laughs> we have our post-apocalyptic thing. We are in a world full of dead people. The world is full of dead people walking. But there's good news. Those that are dead can be raised again to life. And that's what I, I want. That's kind of was like, it was a shaking thing that that revelation of we're living in a world full of dead people was like 10 minutes before you got here. <laughs> is that this is a world that we... that we inhabit and we are those that are living. So first we were dead. And next, if you go to like 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, First Peter 1 through five, three, one, three through five. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Romans 6, 4. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in the newness of life. Romans 8.11 But if the Spirit of Him who raises Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. John 5.21 That all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Father or Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. Nope, that was verse 23. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to Him to whom He will. So playing into the, do we look different? We are different. If you have accepted Christ, you are among the living. Not the dead. Not the dead, the living. So the living looks, should look different 
than the dead. So the question is, and I'm posing this to, you know, those Christians, is you are alive. Those that profess Christ, you're alive. Do you look different? Do you look different from those around you that are dead? And if you don't, I would challenge that you are you really saved? Are you truly saved? Because there is a distinct difference between the dead person and the alive person. And if you follow Christ, you are an alive person. And if you are following Christ, that should mean that you should be following his tenets. Follow the words that he speaks to you. But if you just go around and you accept Christ, great, you feel this influx of joy and freedom from sin, that you are safe from hell. But how long does that last? How long does that joy last? How long does that knowledge last? Does it last a month? Does it last a week? Does it last a year, 10 years? Or should it last, shouldn't it last a lifetime? Shouldn't the change be noticeable? As you're growing in your life, you change. You, you, you know, you're six years old and now I'm 34. I look completely different and quite a few pounds heavier. Shouldn't that also be the same in our spiritual walk? That you should look different. That if I am in my family, shouldn't my family notice a difference in who I've become in my walk? They may be turned off that I'm growing, but that's probably because the dead envies the living. The dead can't be satisfied. You know, all those zombie movies, all they do is look for brains. And they just eat and eat and eat. They're never satisfied. You never see a dead person just turn away from a dead, another living body because he's full. <laughs> the dead wants the living to join them. Because if there's living, it means there's the opposite, the dead. With life, you can have joy, you can have happiness. In death, there is nothing that will satisfy you. Galatians 2. So you were dead. The day you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were alive. You were raised from the dead. He called Kimberly, come out of that grave. 
Tyler, come out of that grave. And you came out. And we rejoice. But Tyler was saved at the age of somewhere between 8 and 10. Does Tyler's life look different in a spiritual sense than 8-year-old Tyler now? Yes. But Tyler's life from 10 years old to late 20s looked very much like a dead person. I mimicked the dead because I didn't know what life looked like. All I lived around were dead people. Dead people don't talk about the Bible. They don't search in the Bible. They don't ask questions. They just mumble and moan like everybody else around them. But do you understand, in Galatians 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So he lives in the flesh. You don't count it as loss when you accept Christ. You shouldn't look back at your old life, the dead life, and go, oh, I wish I had that back again. Those were some good times. Then you haven't met my Savior. My Savior changed me. Second Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Not some things, not most things, all things. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. You should look different from a dead person. You should stand out. You should smell different. You should look different. You should act different. A head knowledge change doesn't, isn't mimicking a heart change. In order to fully know God, you need to have a heart change because out of the heart springs the iniquities of life. The heart is evil. Christ said it's not what comes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out of his heart. So if you don't have a heart change, you're still dead. You're just slightly less dead. You're maybe a fresh body versus a decaying one. <laughs> but you are still dead. It's a heart change. 
you have to have a beating heart in order to be considered alive. If you don't have a beating heart, you have no pulse. You're dead. So if Jesus Christ doesn't touch your heart, there's no beat. There's no blood pumping through you. You're dead. Colossians 1.13 He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. It's through the acceptance of Jesus Christ and the pouring out of His blood on the cross that raises us from the dead. But we have to look new. You know, and so I would pose this to us because I was that once. When you were saved... Did your life change? Was there an immediate change in you? Or did you just go, yay, God, I love him now, versus everything else? And I would say, no, mine wasn't. I still looked at women lustfully. I still sinned. I still sought my own will versus his. You couldn't have told, I went to church on Sundays, but once Sunday was over, it was football and pizza, and playing G.I. Joe's, like, which was the same thing as Monday and Tuesday. I didn't look any different except in church when I went and I blended into my surroundings. Nothing set me apart in church. Nothing set me apart to look like the living outside of church. I was only God's for an hour and a half. Two hours if my parents talked after church. That was it. I didn't change. I didn't look like the living because I didn't have any living to mirror. Second Timothy 2.15 Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. I read this, so as I'm researching, and I'm going, well, Lord, what does it look like? What, you know, when we accept Christ, what does it look like to be different, to be changed, to, to mimic life in you? And he said this verse, you know, he said, but shun profane and idle babblings for they will increase to more ungodliness. I was like, no, I don't need, no, that one rang way too close to home. I'm just going to skip that one. <laughs> because I do, I do take in babblings and I do say profane things. And I was like, that's a little too close to home, Lord. I'll just skip that because that's convicting me. <laughs> And then I said, no, I have to put it in there. 
Because if I am to claim that I am living and to demonstrate that I am living, I need to take what he says in here as what it looks like to be a living person. And so I need to shut my mouth on profane and idle babblings. Thanks. That's great. I can't wait. Ephesians 5, 1 through 7. Uh, that was 2 Timothy 15 through 17. Yeah. So we're in, we're in Ephesians 5, 1 through 7. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ has also loved us, and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. Foolish talkers, filthiness, coarse jesting. Those are things of the dead. Idolaters, thing of the dead. And in no uncertain terms, they have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Those that use empty words. Thing of the dead. Do not, he says it very clearly, do not partake with them. Because you don't want to be counted among them. That's a hard thing. But you were to be called to be in this world, not of this world. It doesn't mean you go out to bars with your friends, but don't drink with them because you're now holy. Don't go to freaking bars because it looks very similar to the dead, but you are living. Live a life that people go, the dead go, what is that? What is that? Because life, in life, you can have fulfilling things. In death, there is nothing. Only darkness. Be among the living. Live differently. If you claim to be of Christ, you look different. 
You are different. It says so. You are changed. You are changed. Do you live changed? Do you seek the word? Do you seek a more personal relationship? Because the dead can't have personal relationships with their God. And the last reference is Ezekiel 36. Thirty-six, twenty-six, and 27. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Without a new heart, you cannot walk in the land of the living. So my challenge is to Christians. Do you walk in the land of the living? Do you look like someone who is alive? Because his death, Jesus Christ's death, has a lasting effect. It brings you to life. It doesn't say Jesus Christ brings you to life, then you die again. Then you bring you to life and then you die. And then you bring you to life. It's not that. It's not an up and down. You got a heartbeat. Straight through eternity. You have eternal life. Not eternal death, eternal life. And then my challenge then is to those non-Christians. Do you want to know somebody who's going to give you a heartbeat? That's going to let you experience life to the fullness that's going to let you experience joy like you've never had it. Love like you've never felt it. But without the living mirroring the living, the dead won't know. The dead won't know. And that's the whole point of why we, the living, are on this planet is to gather the dead and bring them to the camp of the living, the kingdom of the living. But are we doing that? Or are we just walking around in the dead, in the land of the dead, playing dead? So do you live a changed life through the blood of Christ? Or are you still dead in your transgressions? And if you can take a step back from your life and honestly look at it and say, does my life look changed from my non-Christian years to my Christian years? Or even take a step back and say, do I look different as a Christian now than when I first started being a Christian? Because I grew up in a Christian household. I went to church all my life. I did youth groups. I did mission trips. 
by all accounts, I would look like the living. But I can tell you, I was dead. And until I truly recommitted my heart and got a heart changed, my life has never looked the same. I can take a step back and honestly say that my passion for Christ has grown. My joy has grown exponentially. My hunger to know Him has grown exponentially. And I look different. But it has challenged me. Those words have challenged me. Because there are, I still have some attributes of the dead in me. And he says, you are not of the dead, you are of the living. And I want to make the dead jealous to come to the side and hunger for life. And that's a hard, at times that's a hard ask. Because he may, it may lead to Losing friendships that you've had for years. Losing a career that you've had for years. Lose a church that you've been to for years. Lose family that you've known all your life. Because they're dead. But don't be counted among the dead. It says do not partake of them for they do not inherit the kingdom. But if you understand, you're not losing anything because you're dead. You don't get to keep it. But you are gaining the world when you come into life. So that's my challenge, family, is does your life look different or do you still mimic the dead? And how long will this message resonate with you? Just today, an hour after you leave here and say, man, that dude was crazy? Or does it affect your heart and convict your heart to send you running to Him even harder and to make a change? It's not, it may not be an easy change, but the fact of the matter is He promised you to never leave you nor forsake you even to the end of this age. So He will be with you through all that change. You won't be left alone. Even though you may look isolated, you are not. But so if you call yourself Christian, check it. Is it a head or a heart knowledge? And if it's a heart, you should be acting different. And that's a challenge in the name of the Lord. So Lord, we just thank you. It's your word, your life. I choose the kingdom of the living. Thank you for convicting me. Thank you for reprimanding me because that means I am of the living. And Lord, let this word rest on people and challenge those that are of the, claim to be of the living 
to live like the living. And those that are dead, let them come to the land of the living, knowing that it's through the blood of Christ and the acceptance of Him as, His Lord, as our Lord and Savior and our repentance of sins that we come into life and a sonship. So bring forth your might, Lord. Bring forth your fruit. And we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.